I uh, love to do every Christmas is to complete a jigsaw puzzle. You might think I'm a bit sad, but I love jigsaw puzzles. I think it's uh, kind of remembering me and my dad when we were younger, sitting around and doing really difficult jigsaw puzzles every Christmas. We were quite obsessed. Uh, We would start early in the morning. We'd go right the way through till coffee break, have a 10-minute coffee break, then straight back to it, stopping only for lunch, and then straight through until the evening meal. We loved doing jigsaw puzzles together and it kind of has carried on. I did a very difficult one about an allotment this year and uh, it was good fun but again I was slightly obsessed about getting the puzzle finished and I was wondering about why I love doing jigsaw puzzles and I think there's something about that sense of completion when all of those bits are in the right place and finally you get the picture. You can see all of the picture together. I love it when that puzzle comes together. You start with the edges and all the edge pieces come together and then you start in the middle and slowly but surely every bit you put in begins to reveal a picture. Tonight, as Heather's already said, we're thinking about the concept of calling, of God's plans for our life. And to be honest, I've come to think that calling can be a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle. At first, we don't see the big picture. We know maybe God is speaking to us about something, but we're not sure. We give some time, a little effort to it, and slowly an outline begins to appear. Pieces begin to fit into place. Eventually, maybe after many years, maybe after a few moments, the final picture begins to come into focus. And we know, we know what God wants us to do. That passage we uh, had right at the beginning, I know it's a a favourite one of many of us, talks about the fact that God has got plans for all of us. None of us here tonight can say that God doesn't have a plan for our lives, because that's just not true. God has a plan for each of us, and they're not plans for our destruction or our pain. They're plans for prospering and not harming us says the prophet Jeremiah. And it's a hugely important point to start with. Before we think about anything else, God made you with a purpose, with a plan. God made you with a calling. God made you to serve him and honour him. God has plans for each and every one of us. He's chosen you. He's chosen you. I think that's quite exciting. The maker of heaven and the earth, the one who, as Heather said in that prayer, puts the snow on the top of the Alps. I'd like a little bit more before I go skiing in a couple of weeks, so I'm asking God for that. But he did that, and he filled the oceans with water, and he has a plan for you, and he has a plan for me. And my plan's not the same as your plan, because God is amazing, has plans that are right for each and every one of us. There's lots of things that make up that jigsaw puzzle, lots of things that help bring that picture into focus. And over the course of tonight, we're going to be thinking about some of those pieces that might help us to discover what God's plan is for us. But the first part of the puzzle is very clear. It's something that all Christians have. There is a calling for all Christians. We looked at a handful of these during our 40 Days of Purpose a year ago. 
And the first one was that we were called first and foremost to be in relationship with God. That was our number one calling. We're created for his pleasure. We're created to know him. We're created to live in his love. We're created to be known by him and worship him in all we do. We're created to be in relationship. And that's number one, really. That's a calling for all Christians, but there are many others. We looked at some of them last year, evangelism, being part of the church family, discipleship, growing more like Jesus, using our gifts for him, being part of a church family. We're called to tithe money to support God's work. We're called to love one another. We're called to pursue holiness. We're called to pray. The list goes on and on. There are things that all Christians are called to do. I guess uh, one of the, uh, the picture uh, puzzle parts would be this verse, which clearly says to us what our main callings are. We are to love the Lord with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and with all of our strengths. We're called to be in relationship with God. But secondly, love your neighbour as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these, said Jesus in Mark All of us are called to those two things. We're called to love God and we're called to love our neighbour. We're called to live a life of love as Jesus did. However, and this is where we're going to turn to uh, think for the rest of the evening really, God has got individual plans for each of us. God has different plans for us. He has made us with different talents, different skill sets, different experiences, different passions and different heartbeats. Praise God that he has. And while we think about this tonight, we need to remember that God loves each of us and that he has given us things in our lives that will make us who we are and not the same as the person sat next to us. You have a specific calling, a specific calling. We are called to love God and his people. But as we're going to find out, we've also got a calling that's specific to us. Some of you may think, oh, I've got that sussed. But we also have seasons, as the Bible reminds us. And maybe God is doing different things in your life now than he was a year ago. Maybe it's time for some of us again to say, God, what are you saying to me about where I live, about where I work, about what I should be doing with my life. Well, we're going to find out about that from uh, Abraham. Abraham uh, has a lot to say, uh, the story of Abraham about listening to God. And we're going to have our reading now, uh, which I think somebody's coming. Oh, Helen's coming to do it. Great. Uh, Helen's going to come and do our reading. And we're going to be referring to this a bit later. So you might want to keep your Bibles open after Helen has finished. The reading is uh, Genesis chapter 12 and beginning at verse 1. It's on page 13 of the Pew Bibles. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. 
and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued towards the Negev. We're going to be thinking about Abraham, or Abraham as he's still called uh, in chapter 12 of Genesis. And uh, he had uh, obviously the same overarching calling to love God, be in relationship with him and love others like we do. But uh, we hear here at the beginning of chapter 12 um, about how God had a specific call for Abraham. A specific call. Verse 1. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. God spoke to Abraham. God spoke very clearly. But we're going to take uh, just a few things from uh, this passage that helps us understand a little bit about our own calling uh, from God. And we learn quite uh, a few things. And number one is that we learn very clearly that Abraham trusted in God's timing. Can you imagine being 75 years old and being told you have to leave where you've lived for 75 years and go to somewhere completely different that was not easy to get to, that would involve uprooting your whole family? And he was 75 when he received that call. God was not quick in coming forward in adding this significant piece of the jigsaw for Abraham. Can you imagine it? He'd been around probably in that area for at least 70 of those years. And I'm sure he thought, God, why didn't you tell me this when my knees weren't hurting quite so much? But God knew best. God knew best. And Abraham had so many things to learn in his life. And he had to trust that God's timing was best. God knew when it was the right time for Abraham. God knew when it was the right time for his family. God knew when it was the right time for the land when he, where he was heading to. It was the right time in God's eyes. Now, maybe it's just me, but I like things to happen quite quickly. When I put something in the microwave, it has to be cooked quickly. That's the kind of lifestyle we live. In fact, you can have a beef burger in 75 seconds, apparently, which I think is incredible. We want things now, don't we? Or maybe that's just me. I'm quite a planner. I like my diary a lot. I like to plan things. And I've discovered that God doesn't actually plan things in the same way as I do, which is really rather frustrating. God often only tells us things 
when we need to know them rather than when we want to know them. Stop for a moment and think. Can you think of a moment in your life when you were really frustrated because you just wanted God to speak to you and give you the picture now, but he didn't? Can you think of a time like that? God's timing is perfect. Our timing isn't. God's timing is perfect and we're not perfect people. We have to trust, just like Abraham did, that God's timing was best. And we have to trust that he will be ready and willing to tell us when he's ready and willing to tell us. Abraham trusted in God's timing. But the second thing he also uh, did was to recognise that everything is preparation. I found some lovely quotes about preparation and experience. And I just wanted to share them with you because they made me smile. Number one is experience is a hard teacher because she gives you the test first and the lesson after. I think that's quite true, really. Which leads us on to the next one. Experience is a wonderful thing. It enables you to recognise a mistake when you make it again. And finally, experience is the best teacher, but the tuition is costly. I think we could all say those are true. I think uh, there's many times when I've discovered that experience is a hard teacher, but actually the best teacher. When uh, actually we've uh, thought, um, oh, this is a mistake. I know it's a mistake because I've done it before. With the uh, brigades on a Monday night at the moment, we've been uh, thinking about some of uh, the great stories in the Bible. And we've been doing it through the use of the Lego Bible. I don't know if you've ever come across it, but I'm going to share some of it now because it's just great. We've been looking at, on Monday at the story of David and Goliath. And remember what happened. David goes uh, with food to his brothers who were fighting at war. And he goes with the food but ends up fighting with Goliath. That's the Lego version of Goliath. Give me a man and we will fight it out. I'm sure that's what Goliath said. David went to fight Goliath. How did he know he could do it? Well, when he's brought up in front of King Saul, he says these things about the fact he knows he can fight Goliath because of one thing. Because when he was up on the mountains, he would fight the bears to save the sheep. The red bit is blood, everybody. David knew he could do it because he'd spent many years up on the hillside training to look after his sheep. He'd had experiences, probably lonely times, sat up on the hill. He knew he could look after his sheep and therefore he thought that had prepared him to beat Goliath. Goodness me. Those times of looking after the sheep enabled him to do just this, to finish Goliath off, not with a Lego brick, but a pebble. pebble. www.brickbible.com, it's great. David knew he could do it because of the experiences he had had. Because God had proved himself faithful in the past, he knew that he could do it. Because of the skills that he had learnt up on that mountain, he knew he could do it. 
God never wastes an opportunity or a preparation time or a moment of uh, hardship, of positive times, of uh, training, of skill use, of experience. He never wastes those. He uses those to equip us, uses those to make us the kind of people that we are today. David did just this because of all the things that had come before. And God didn't waste that opportunity. I remember the first time I preached. It was in a little chapel called Withyditch, which was about six miles outside Bath. And uh, the congregation was huge. Six people. Uh, One of them was the church secretary, and he was deaf. um, And he used to lead the singing, which was a bit of a challenge. I used to play the organ and preach and lead the service, which was also a bit of a challenge. Um, Terrible on the organ. And um, really... I remember going there really nervous and then there being six people there and still being really nervous and preaching. And I went back to that church maybe 20 times over the next two years. And uh, the six went to five and the five went to four. And at four they decided enough was enough and they closed, which was um, sad for them. Um, But there was only... Uh, six houses in the village so uh, there was no hope really of it growing huge at all and uh, I think about the 19th time I had a little argument with God about why I couldn't preach in a church with more than five people and I learned an important lesson in those churches actually Um, God taught me so much about preaching and about uh, being humble and about how my gifting was not in playing the organ and uh, various other things uh, through that time. Uh, And it was really exciting. And I know God used those moments to make me uh, who I am today. It was looking back as I was thinking about this today that I thought about some of those sermons I preached, which mostly were awful. But actually, they prepared me. They made me who I am today. God never wastes opportunities or experiences. Everything we have is preparation. We can look at uh, many of the Bible passages, uh, Bible characters to, to learn about that. David and Goliath, but also Abraham. How many times was his faith tested? How many times did he have to go through difficult times? They made them who he was, that person of God, who he was. Number three, though, Abraham also listened to God. Listened to God. Verses one to three say this. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's household and go to the land. I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will, excuse me, make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. God spoke very clearly to Abraham. It's great news when God speaks clearly. It's exciting. And God speaks in such a large number of ways. He speaks through his Holy Spirit. He often speaks through the word, the Bible. He speaks through the preaching of his word. He speaks through nature, through circumstances, situations. He speaks audibly. He speaks in our heads. He speaks through others. God speaks. The old story goes, God made you with one mouth and two ears. Get the hint. We do a lot more talking than we do listening. We need to listen to God 
Abraham listened to God and listened, and this is what happened. He spoke to him and gave him a clear direction. God speaking. Are you listening? We're going to think a little bit more about that later. Number four, uh, things we can learn from Abraham. Verse four tells us that Abraham was willing to show and tell God that he was willing to follow. Verse four begins with, so Abraham left as the Lord had told him. If you look at that passage, you soon learn that actually God hadn't said very much. He'd said that, you know, don't panic, I'm going to make you great and you'll have a great nation. But actually, he just said, uh, get up and go to the land I am showing you. The details were quite sketchy. He had a bit of an idea. Some of those bits of the puzzle had been put into place, but he didn't have much detail. And yet, Abraham still said, God's told me, I will go. God had said, so off he went. He took a leap of faith, trusted God and went for it. Very, very rarely, very, very rarely does God show us the whole picture. Very rarely do we know the end from the beginning. Very, very rarely do we know exactly what's going to happen. If God had told me I was going to be a Baptist minister at age 16 when I was making my options, I would have moved somewhere where there were no Baptist ministers because it was too scary and, frankly, not very cool. God doesn't always reveal the whole plan. He often puts bits of that jigsaw puzzle together, but he takes us on every little step of that journey And God needs to know that we're obedient in those little steps so that we can cope with the bigger steps. This is Ralph W. Emerson. He's an American poet, was an American poet and philosopher. And uh, he said this, All I have seen teaches me to trust the creator of all I have not seen. All I have seen teaches me to trust the creator of all I have not seen. Has God ever let you go in the past? Has he always been faithful? We've sung lots of faithful songs today, in fact. God will be faithful. And if you've just got a a small idea of what that that is that he's leading you to, then sometimes he does ask us to take small steps of faith, maybe not knowing the whole picture, but knowing he is calling us to do something. The next thing we learn about Abraham is that he worshipped. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. This is uh, in verse 8, quite a long way into the story. He's already set off and uh, after hearing God speak, he worships God. This is uh, linked a little bit, I guess, to the one we just looked at, about being willing to get out and go and show God we're obedient. The writer of uh, My Jesus, My Saviour, Darlene Check, she's uh, an Australian. And when she was writing that song, uh, we know it well, she uh, was in a time of tragedy in her own life. Her parents uh, had been uh, through a very messy divorce and she'd just lost a baby. 
uh, a really hard time for her and her husband. And she wrote that song because she said, I needed to worship in those moments. I didn't know God's big picture, but I knew he was calling me to worship and knew that he was calling me to say with my mouth and with my life to keep myself holy and right before God so that he would help me with the next step of his calling. I think that's quite incredible that she could write such a powerful song in such a hard time when she was going to say, I'm going to follow God. Even though I don't understand his plans, I will continue to worship. Finally, we learn about Abraham that he did not travel alone. Not only did he have God leading him, he had Lot and he had his wife. Verse 5 says, He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people that they acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Cana and they arrived there. I've said this many times before. I know I'll say it many times again. Praise God we don't have to travel this journey alone. Often one of the major bits of discovering our calling is when other people say something to us. Have you ever been used by God to confirm somebody's calling? It's a real honour. When you think something, you think, that's God, I've got to tell them. Have you ever been in the other place when someone's come up to you and said something that they may not even know is of God, but you know is? A word of encouragement, a prophecy, something that they believe is of God. Praying for others who are seeking God's calling is hugely important. Often other people can help that jigsaw fit into place and God's plan can begin to come into focus. Abraham teaches us a lot about how to discover God's calling. And God's plans came to be fulfilled in his life. God's got plans for each of us. He's got big plans for each of us. We need to trust him. We need to allow him to lead us. We need to remember to trust his timing. We need to remember to listen to him. We need to worship him. And we need to show him we're willing to follow him, whatever he asks. We also need to pray for each other. And recognise those around us who are encouraging us. (coughs) We're going to uh, sing a song in in a moment. Um, And uh, the second verse is really powerful. It talks about listening to God's calling. But then uh, what we're going to do for the rest of the evening is we're going to have some time of of quiet, which might scare you a little bit. I'm not good with quiet. But actually, I said that sometimes we need to listen. And so what we're going to do is we're going to listen. We're going to listen for God to speak to us, maybe about our own lives, but also maybe we want to ask him to speak to us about somebody else or something, uh, a situation that you may know of. So as we sing the next song, let us uh, prepare ourselves to listen to God.